0: You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics Podcast, bringing together the best technical leaders to talk about the industry, passions and challenges that they're facing. I'm Abby Stokes, I help businesses connect with tech talent and I'm your host for today's episode. Evolution Exchange podcast. My name is Abby Stokes. And I connect businesses with freelance tech solutions, and I'm your host. Welcome to another instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by David Torsell, Hitesh Sharma, Hannes Lindblom, and Yasinto Sitzuski to discuss how do we get people on board with DevOps. Before we go into the topic though, it's nice to get to know everyone who's speaking. So let's work our way around the room with some introductions. So David, would you like to kick us off with an introduction to you?
1: Sure thing. thanks for having me. Um, yes, I'm a freelance consultant, um, working uh, with pretty much anything continuous delivery. Um, at, as of now, I'm a DevOps lead heading um, continuous delivery initiative and also a product owner for a um, system team. I have worked in most roles in the software development process, so dev and ops, uh, and most things in between and around. Um, Privately, I like music, singing, playing the bass, um, uh, producing, and I like good food, eating, drinking, and pub games, anything I can compete in, really. That's me.
0: Brilliant, thank you. Um, Hitesh, we'll come to you next.
1: Uh, Hi, everyone.
2: So I'm Hitesh. I started my career as a DevOps engineer and uh, have worked in designing, architecting, and leading DevOps and cloud initiatives in Agile teams across uh, about five different companies before. And I'm working on research project in DevOps transition with the software and business engineering department in TU Berlin right now. And uh, I'm working in Swedbank uh, professionally right now. Apart from all this, um, in my spare time, I teach uh, dance and fitness classes as a Les Mills and Zumba instructor. So that's me.
0: Brilliant. Thank you very much. Um, Hannes, we'll come to you next.
3: Right. Thanks for having me. Uh, So my name is Hannes Limblum. I work at a company called Enento, which is sort of a Nordic company with around 400 people. Uh, across the nordic countries and which uh, we, we kind of sell and distribute different types of information like credit information and company information like that and package it in different ways so uh, at my current role uh, i'm a technical product owner for a devops platform where we try to build like uh, cicd pipelines infrastructure as code and and uh, all of that on top of uh, this uh, platform, uh, like the, the infrastructure below it. So it's a very interesting role, and I, I'm kind of new into it still. So it's a, a great learning experience for me. Uh, my background, otherwise, is is uh, a lot centered around testing and test automation. So I've been in, in that industry for, I think, 18 years almost now, with uh, being at different banks and insurance companies and, and streaming services and, and such. So, uh, And in my spare time, I have moved out of Stockholm, so I'm trying to build a house now, so that kind of consumes most of my my days. Uh, But I'm also trying to stay in shape, do some exercising and listen to podcasts and books.
0: Brilliant, thank you. And last but not least, Jacinto.
3: Yes,
0: thanks for
4: having me. Uh, Yeah, my name is Jacinto. I'm... I'm 27 years old. I live in Stockholm, Sweden, and uh, yeah, I started my career as a .NET developer in 2016 and slowly graduated more and more into um, the uh, DevOps role, basically. And today I am the cloud and DevOps lead of my team at Scania. Um, In my spare time, um, I like to uh, do some, some physical exercise, like going to the gym or going out for a walk, but also playing a lot of video games. Um, so so yeah, that's a bit about me.
0: Great. Thank you, everyone. So now that we've got a bit of context to each of you, we'll move on to the topic in focus. So you've all given me a question or a statement on how to get people on board with DevOps. And as usual, I'll walk around, uh, work around a room asking each of you to uh, give me reasons as to why you've posed these questions. And you'll each obviously have the opportunity to talk and give your feedback on the questions so first we're going to start with hannes and you asked is the name devops useful so tell us a bit of context behind why you've asked that question today Yeah.
3: so, so i've always been interested in in language and words and and what meaning they sort of communicate. so i, I think it's interesting to, to look at the word devops and i mean there have been a, a tons of version of devops recently with the uh, biz devops and devsecops and, and uh, AI ops and, and uh, whatnot. So, so it's interesting to think about is, are these names useful when you try to, to sell DevOps to someone or are they just confusing or yeah. Uh, so, um, maybe it could be good for some persons, but maybe not for others. I would love to hear your, your thoughts, uh, about this. If, if these words sort of, uh, uh, provide the meaning you want, so to speak.
0: So. Grace, Has
1: anyone got some initial thoughts? Yeah. My, my initial th- thought on this is that, um, yeah, all words um, that you will have to explain further are problematic. Like DevOps, which has changed meaning uh, throughout the years, uh, and it means different thing in different contexts. Uh, if you have mm. a mo- modern infrastructure or if you're running some uh, enterprise level uh, legacy system it's completely different what we need to what we mean or what, what what things we want to communicate when we say devops so yeah i think it's problematic <laughs> but then again i, I don't I, I don't see a better word for um, communicating a set of practices uh, where we center around team empowerment where we set, organize for team capabilities and ownership end-to-end ownership and less handovers, that kind of thing.
0: Great, thank you. Jacinto, any thoughts?
4: I mean, yeah, for sure. I think it's it's uh, during the last uh, just maybe 10 years or so, it's, it's it, it, as you say, it's DevOps and DevSecOps and it's different types of ops all of a sudden, and they all uh, have different meanings at different places, of course, um, but I, I also kind of agree with, um, I'm not really sure what would be a, a better word to describe it either, but I, I, I tend to do use kind of um, automation, pipelines, infras, words like that, more than I use strictly DevOps, but I think it's a, it's a good way of letting someone know kind of what I work with, but I don't uh, um, use the word DevOps that much. I get the sense of that word.
2: Great, thank you. Hitesh, your thoughts? Yeah. I'm, uh... It's a quite interesting question, Will, um, because it started with something SRE um, and then it evolved into DevOps and different teams has a different perspective to it. Some people think it's it's a culture shift and some people think it's more towards automation and the technical side. I believe every buzzword in the list like DevSecOps, DevOps, BizDevOps and a lot more involves some certain DevOps aspect in some form, but gives a special focus on another group that is not much profound while strategizing the DevOps practices. For example, take uh, Biz DevOps. I think it speaks about the importance of business while working on the DevOps, like business-focused development processes. And uh, if we say about uh, DevSecOps, it brings the focus towards security side of it, like Mm security-focused development process. So now the question arises, does it bring confusion? I would say it's it's you can say DevOps as a parent and these as a child with a special focus, but um, I would better answer it by saying that it doesn't matter as long as the objective or KPIs that we need to achieve that comes from the business are clearly communicated and, and the team is uh, knowing what they need to achieve and it's aligned with the objective of the strategists and the management. And sometimes you might realize that the business might not be able to understand microservice and hardware provisioning approaches. In that case, uh, they definitely want to have some similar requirements, like to say to stay competitive in the market or adapt quicker time to market. Now, it's the responsibility of the DevOps team to map such requirements with the specific area or the focus like do we need security to the towards the DevOps or do we need to involve more business towards the DevOps. So it's the it's something that DevOps team or the team which is helping and assisting in the Agile need to see what ways we can uh, adopt to achieve that objective and that way we can rename it or we can bring another buzzword which suits us.
1: Yeah, I I, I agree. But I I think uh, what you're saying is what I think as well that the the children of the DevOps uh, concept is not as useful. Mm -hmm. Or is is that what you meant? Because that's what I'm thinking, at least.
2: (laughs) I I don't really think that it is useful or it's not that useful. If you're bringing what the uh, objective, what uh, the management wants, uh, if you're using the buzzword or not, it doesn't matter but is it bringing confusion it is is it bringing a lot of overhead for the people who don't who are not aware about these concepts um maybe that's true because mm. it takes time to develop certain stage agile when it came it was quite new people were not really familiar with the concept and now everyone knows what's agile if we say agile, you know what i'm saying so devops has its journey and it has to uh, It it needs to uh, uh, do things before it reaches to the maturity level.
3: Yeah, right. I think you're into something there, Itesh. You're talking about objectives, and I, and I think that's my main point also about DevOps. It's more about sort of the what to bring Dev and Ops together rather than the sort of outcomes you get from that. So, if we would like to sell that to someone outside, hasn't worked in IT, for instance, they might be more interested in shortening lead times or or uh, reducing error rates or, or whatever it could be increased flow so so more about the effects than the actual the what <laughs> Uh, so, but on the other hand, if you've been in that situation, if you if you experienced the pain of of having like code thrown over the wall to to operations on either side, you will probably uh, like this name pretty much because you feel that this uh, this will be an improvement from from past experiences. Yeah.
1: when when this uh, when DevOps began to rise in popularity as a uh, as a buzzword, uh, I w- was quite annoyed because I was uh, in quality assurance and it's like, well, th- this is the, like bridging the gap between dev and ops. Well, I've been struggling, my like there like, was a big struggle in my professional life to just bring the quality assurance parts of development closer to actual coding. Uh, but um, um, some wise persons said like, chill, Dave, uh, you know, uh, quality assurance has always been a part of development, you know, (laughs) we didn't need a word for it's like, yeah, I wish that was true, but.
4: (laughs) But I I also, um, I also kind of agree with, with what I think some people think sometimes when it's on you have DevOps and then all of a sudden people start talking about DevSecOps and then it, it, it kind of brings this, like, we should also think about security, but shouldn't we always think about security kind of why do we need a separate? new word for it that's going to talk about security and I did. specifically that I know a lot of people that are um, um, into a lot of security or are or, or passionate about it are kind of uh, disturbed by the fact that it has to be named DevSecOps like obviously you should have security in it but a lot of times usually you You start building an application and security might come at a later stage. Um, So I I understand the frustration that some people might have with the the meaning of DevSecOps. Um, Maybe something similar to quality assurance as well. It it should be more taken for granted, maybe.
3: Yeah, right, since since if you don't know that DevSecOps is sort of a subset of or child of DevOps, you might think that the DevOps is is the insecure way of doing it because you lack security, you don't have the security. (laughs) that could cause confusion as well i, I believe sure. So.
0: great has anyone else got any final thoughts yeah no, i just want to
3: say yeah i can say that uh, i agree with the others i haven't come up with a better name uh, so <laughs> <laughs> and i don't think you had either so i think we'll the, the conclusion is probably that we will we'll, we'll have to live with devops uh, for now <laughs> yeah we'll we stick with bad. devops <laughs> yeah
0: brilliant thank you everyone so um hatesh we'll come to you next and you asked how do you How did you onboard the senior management to give DevOps automation a priority? Tell us a bit more as to why you've asked that question.
2: Yeah, so um, I've asked uh, how to get DevOps automation prioritized over other essential tasks. By that I mean how did uh, you onboard senior management to give DevOps automation a priority? Uh, you might feel like uh, senior management is the one who is deciding uh, what should be done and when should be done. But in some cases, in various projects, which I've worked, I've seen that uh, uh, in, in most of the projects, uh, that DevOps automation in a team uh, uh, that uh, delivers CI-CD pipeline are taken as good to have but not essential. Um, that makes it go down in a priority over other tasks that the team uh, is already having and uh, is already uh, designed to achieve. Like most of the times you might have seen that DevOps is pushed towards the operation side, which I've seen practically. And the operation team does have the responsibilities which is separate from the DevOps that they need to achieve on day-to-day basis. And uh, they have to analyze the priority between the two. And then they always go with the operation side because it's business critical. That way, DevOps are in most of the time. Um, so how do you make business realize that we have something which is DevOps, which is bringing you value in a certain period of time. You might not see it visually right now, but we have something. So how you make them onboarded in this DevOps journey?
0: Great, thank you, Asinti. We'll come to you first.
2: <laughs> All
4: right, sure. I mean, I think one of the things I've, I've talked about ever since I started get an interest about DevOps Is the fact of a lot of personal dependencies and handover, um, where you'd have a more uh, traditional development team, then they would strictly do development, and any type of deployment or packaging would be handed over to someone else or some other team. And then it creates that huge dependency on that team or even a specific person. Um, You also depend, not all the time, maybe an operation team have a lot of automation themselves, but a lot of times you, you may use some, uh, some guide that you follow and it's a lot of manual steps and it's, it's, it's a lot of like human dependency with, with uh, DevOps, at least from my point of view, um, you release a lot of that personal dependency. By automating a lot of things, and that's one of the key points that I've used when when trying to get people onboarded with it. It's it's a matter of uh, a risk, honestly, risk of being dependent on others, um, and taking the responsibility yourself, and and. Uh, hopefully benefiting from that. And in most cases, I think you are. Oh, yeah. Great.
0: Thank you, Hannes. We'll come to you next.
3: Yeah. So, so I'm lucky enough to be in a team that is dedicated to automating things. So I, I haven't really had that struggle uh, in my current position, but <laughs> but speaking from my experience with, with test automation, I, I can say that it's uh, it's like, I think it's like selling anything to anyone. You, you have to sort of understand their perspective and what they're pain points are and what what they are trying to achieve and then i think automation can be bring a lot of different values you can have sort of save save some effort in some things you can reduce errors you can shorten lead times so you have to find the right angle for for your audience i think so help them with solving their problem that would be my sort of main take on it
1: totally second that um i mean and also i mean adding to the risk that Jancito um uh, Jacinto talked about uh it's it's also one of the most common uh, management perspectives it's the money and, and the risk and uh, yeah, right. and uh i mean i I think it's very important to understand people's perspectives and and understanding also why we do these things and start counting the money what is the cost of um, human related errors um, what is the cost of our, our slow lead times and our uh, long uh, time to recovery? Just kind of so what's the what's the cost of a handover? What's the risk of handover? Um, it's sometimes difficult to to put a number on, but if you can do it, you you can probably have some strong arguments there.
2: Nicely summarized, David. I would definitely say that it's a good input uh, coming from Yacinto uh, uh, and Hannes. Uh, um like uh, risk uh, analyzing the uh, quantitatively analyzing the risk and uh, the cost estimation and pushing the management towards it because they might understand the figures better uh, that way and uh, and yeah as Hans said just uh, try to understand what the objective they need to achieve and maybe uh, put your team objectives together with that and try to fill the gap, between the different mindset and stuff, yeah.
1: I think we also need to uh, realize that these are investments. Um, and at times, we we may want to consider if this is the best investment. It, it probably is. It usually is. <laughs> uh, but um, it, it is an investment.
2: Yeah. In, in most of the teams I've seen also uh, nowadays, uh, they have special uh, DevOps people who is dedicated towards uh, this uh, work of CICD and uh, providing the new ways of working in the team. So I think people are, mindset is changing and the things are moving towards more automation and being more agile and, and the DevOps perspective in different projects and team now. So I think that things will change and people will have such mindset. Yeah,
3: And I think also to tie into what, what David said here about investments, I think one thing you can also try to do is make the stakes lower so you don't uh, uh, Present it as some something you have to commit to for a full year, or like a big project. You can sort of frame it as an experiment. Let's try to automate some things and and see where that takes us. So the risk will be lower to to put some money into that. I would
2: say. Yeah, maybe a poc
4: or MVP. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Because I'm I'm also quite sure that. Like any type of manual work, not all the time, but a lot of times is more expensive than automating it. I'm, I'm working a lot with different uh, environments, like test environments, uh, prod environments, pre-prod, all of that stuff. And uh, doing all of that setup manually would take quite a lot of time but since we have automated most of it we really just have to rename a new environment and literally press one button and then then between 15 minutes and half an hour later you have a completely new environment and that is money and I mean uh, kind of as you said Hitesh as well um, some people are more dedicated to DevOps I would say that I am and kind of one of my main tasks is to support the development team in the sense that they can deploy fast they can create any type of test environment they would like. Copy, copy any type of data from different environments. Take a production copy, copy, and make that as easy as possible because that will lead to shorter lead times. So I think it's uh, the, the. I think a lot of times we try to um, um, have these discussions very um, technical, and uh, some people are more or less susceptible to the technical discussions. But I think one thing that is uh, quite quite easy to, to talk around is money, really, and, and uh, what will you spend it on, and, and uh, what will you get from it? So I, so, so I think that's uh, one of the uh, points that I use, anyway, I talk to people about it. I think
1: also, I mean, when we, when we want to start using a, a pattern, um or like uh, increase devops in our organization uh, i found it very useful if we have uh, ambassadors individuals that are have experienced what is what what good looks looks like um because uh, then you feel that phantom pain every day when you have to do something manual or when you don't have this uh, team centered authority or whatever um, I, I'm not sure what that phantom pain would look like from a managed senior management level. But <laughs> since they, they are fewer people, I guess it's more rare to see.
0: Great. I kind of want to go back to when Hitesh, you mentioned um, the DevOps mindset as well, because I have spoken to a lot of people that said that, the mindset can be quite difficult to change for the, these people a bit higher up. So what would you say that the DevOps mindset is or what what do you think it entails?
2: Um, so if I say about DevOps mindset, it's coming from the agile perspective of collaboration and if management says that, they are more towards uh, the collaboration side of uh, DevOps. Uh, DevOps is really big and can have different definitions to anyone. Um, like like we had a question, it can be DevSecOps focusing on the security side. Similarly, we have uh, DevOps coming from management more towards collaboration of uh, different teams to be precise towards development and operation to be more focused and other teams also in terms of strategizing which pipelines we need to automate, how we need to do different work streams and workflows, what we need to achieve. So this kind of complete uh, DevOps, uh, uh, j- the DevOps uh, uh, things that we need to achieve comes under the DevOps mindset. And uh, different people, if you are a technical person, you'll take it as, okay, I need to do a CI-CD pipeline. Okay, if you are a, a product owner, you understand, okay, we need to have some criteria and priorities in terms of achieving the CI-CD in our roadmap. Uh, if you are from the Scrum perspective, you'll see, okay, I need to collaborate a bit more with different teams and have a good handover and uh, have uh, clear dependencies with different teams to achieve that goal. So that brings a complete team mindset in DevOps. Um, and, And it's also very close to Agile mindset, so we don't need to confuse about that. Agile is more towards rapidly evolving towards giving the business benefit. Uh, and in DevOps, we have the similar meeting, but uh, we have different ways to achieve the business objective. But yeah, it's quite related, I would say.
1: Um, I would like to add also that maybe a holistic view of um, of the delivery. What what value are we creating here uh, together? It's quite central in a DevOps mindset. Great, yeah.
0: thank
3: you. Go on, Harvest. Yeah, I was gonna say that I like to think about it as the, the three ways of DevOps, which is, uh, if I remember correctly, flow, uh, feedback loops, and continuous learning and experimentation. So, uh, I like to keep those in mind to think uh, whatever I'm doing, I'm trying to to uh, strive for one of those, and then I'm on a good way. I feel.
4: So. And I, I just also want to comment that I think, as you as you guys have mentioned, since this Agile has this uh, at the core, this kind of uh, Rapid workflow. Um, it it also makes sense that it kind of combines with DevOps in the sense of uh, faster deliveries and and. Uh, it's easy to try stuff because you, you can just create something new, as I kind of spoke of with a new test environment or whatever, like it, 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 I think DevOps is a good enabler of really good agile development. So they go hand in hand very well in terms of that, uh, that uh, quite uh, rapid and uh, quick
2: feedback loop. 100% agree on that, yeah. yeah.
0: Great. Has anyone got any final thoughts on Hitesh's question? No, happy, wonderful. Um, so we'll move uh, on to Jacinto's question. Going back to a bit of automating. So Jacinto, you asked, is there anything that can be seen as over automating, with the same meaning as over engineering? So give us some context why you've asked that question, there Well, yeah, I I think
4: over engineering is a good term generally to talk about when you when you want to technically solve something but you have to also be realistic with, uh, with the result of it basically, and, and, and the, the value it really brings. And I think that is the same for automation as well. Since I've been working quite a lot with uh, DevOps these last uh, like four years, um, it's it you tend to want to automate everything and that's really great, but it has to come um, with a balance between um, like nice good working sim- simplicity and like over complexity as well, because it can, for me it kind of comes back to the, the, the value and kind of the money as well in terms of maintainability. You can you can uh, pretty much automate everything, uh, but it will be it could be quite complex and quite hard to comprehend and then you need to maintain that as well. So uh, although I do have that mindset, of course that you should always try to automate everything. You should also have a um, realistic view of of uh, how you can solve it in a different way, um, sometimes as well.
0: Brilliant, thank you. So, Hannah, it's all we'll come to you first for your thoughts.
3: Yeah, so I think there are, it's definitely possible to over-automate things that uh, that I agree with, and uh, I think there's one one side of it you mentioned, uh, into which is like uh, doing things too complex or too complicated, or trying to automate something that's probably not worth automating because you do it so seldom. So, it's not not bring enough value back to you, but I think the other perspective, and this is also coming from a testing side that we within testing you you you, there are some things you can automate and some things you probably shouldn't try to automate even because we're uh, in most cases building stuff that humans are going to use so we also need humans to experience that software some stage so so it wouldn't even be possible to try to automate some of that stuff by just uh, having some some script clicking through a web page and and Think that you covered all all the interesting stuff that can can happen or could be a problem. So, so I will definitely say there there are there are several aspects of of auto, over automation uh, and uh, yeah, what you can, what is what is worth it, and what you can can automate. Great,
0: right, David. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I I totally agree, uh, uh, with both of you, and understanding the value and. I think it's um, it's important to always uh, question yourself and like w- what kind of value is this uh, that I'm doing here, and it may not be super obvious. It might might be just building skills for for or you know just re- removing dependencies to individuals, uh, or it might be seen as innovation even, um, which has its own value. Um, it may not actually. <laughs> deliver value on this specific task, but maybe we're building on a framework that enables something to be easier, more easily done in in the future. But uh, yeah, in the test automation business, that's super obvious uh, because we tended to get this, should we automate everything question uh, a lot and no. (laughs) Uh, And uh, I think in, in test automation, it's kind of easy to say, well, we, we want to come to a level where we have confidence, um, and that's subjective uh, and depending on context and technology stack. Um, and I think that if we can apply that to any type of automation, then we're probably in a good place.
2: Natasha, your thoughts? Yeah. Um, so here, in simple words, I'll just start with that automation is something uh, which can be seen as re- machines replacing human beings. In DevOps context, I would say CICD, uh, I think it's something a DevOps architect should focus during working on the automation or deciding how he should plan the automation and what components he need to achieve as per current infrastructure stability and ensuring the current infrastructure stability and overviewing that what is in the existing system. By that, what I mean is in projects that are not frequently deploying the code to production and still have uh, quite a lot of work to do for implementing continuous testing in their pipelines. uh, So just imagine a project has a pipeline, a CI-CD pipeline, but uh, uh, not a CI-CD, but a CI pipeline, but he is moving towards deployment and he's not sure about the testing strategies in place and they are having quite manual steps in testing before releasing the code. So in that scenario, I would recommend continuous delivery pipeline rather than continuous deployment since it feels more comfortable to trigger that last deployment step manually. But nevertheless, uh, considering microservices and change management processes and automated testing in place, it's ideal approach to go for uh, continuous um, deployment in this fast-paid IT sector because we need to deliver and stay competitive and we need to have faster time to market but we need to see that where are we standing and map uh, our uh, roadmap and the checkpoints according to that and if we think that uh, it, it, we can go further and we'll get the business value and the benefit um, then definitely we should go forward but yeah we don't i i am not really sure if we have any kpis to measure how how much automation is best and how much is over automation, but if you have certain experience in DevOps and you have built some, uh, have done some projects, you'll definitely become aware that okay, doing this is spending a lot of time, and rather than giving the necessary output, so you'll get, you can figure that out easily if you have a kind, uh, like a little background and knowledge in team and the skill set.
1: Yeah, I think um, now the the platform teams are rising in popularity, but. If you do have a a a devops team that actually does their own automation and have to balance this with uh, production code uh, then it becomes more transparent um, if this work is is worth it or not um, it's uh it's harder when you separate these uh, responsibilities from in different teams
4: for sure i I would say that I work in a team um where we do not depend on uh, a platform team as such. We, we kind of do well everything ourselves basically. And we have to constantly prioritize and, and, and balance uh, everything that we deliver. And we had we had this example where we wanted to um, uh, activate new uh, business units in production. And we, and we wanted to, to make that automatic somehow. And we w- wanted to create a really good flow. And we started to discuss different solutions and when I do something here and then that should automatically update the frontend. But what if it fails, how should it revert back and stuff like that. Then we realized as of now anyway, um, we don't have uh, that many business units to activate in the in uh, in terms of uh, them needing that automation so we just realized that we could we could have a manual step where you simply update a file and then that file triggers a pipeline and you kind of get the same result as we would have had with this big automation framework where we're going to cut and paste different files and we're going to put them together into one file and we have to validate the file and If the validation doesn't work, how should that be reflected? And all of those things kind of just got solved by realizing that, yeah, but we could just do this manually. And if we create really good documentation for it, and we we have a good knowledge transfer within the team on how to do that, and I think we can at least wait for a while with that automation framework that we were trying to set up. Um, Maybe it's really useful for the future, but not right now. And I think that type of um, pragmatic pragmatic workflow um, you really need to have in terms of like, what is in really important right now? What can we live with? And uh, yeah, is it just overkill right now? Is this more useful within maybe the next year or or in two years rather than right right now?
1: It Sort of borderlines on upfront design uh, that you try and design something for the future, which may not come. Yeah, exactly, for sure.
3: Yeah, and it's sort of related to also, I think you also tend to want to build a lot of stuff yourself, but sometimes it's better to just buy something that's already there that solves the problem. So so if you have a hard time to to invest all the time you need, there might be something already existing, which we can buy to a reasonable price. So so I think that's also something to keep in mind when when wanting to automate something.
2: Yeah, I I always ask this question, are we reinventing the wheel or did the wheel exist? (laughs) So that's a right question to ask time to time uh, within the team to get on the right track.
1: Yeah, yeah that's. The pro- I mean, I was thinking more of the the small scale scenarios where where you'd like, yeah. Well, I just want to do it properly, <laughs> it, rather than brushing it over. That, that, that those were the over engineering uh, scenarios. But not running on cloud infrastructure, but setting up your own de- data center is. <laughs> probably a much larger case of over engineering yeah for sure
0: great so does anyone have any final thoughts or should we move to our last question no wonderful so david by no means uh, no but last, by, why can't I talk at the end? It's because I've been listening to you too much. Um, last, but by no means least, David. Um, your question was, what can we learn from centralised authority when driving decentralised authority? Now, I know you gave us a, a better explanation on our chat before the podcast, so um, I will let you give your ex- explanation to everyone here.
1: Right. So um, a, a lot of the times... Um, at least my work, uh, centers around driving change. And um, it's easier to drive change when people agree with you. Um, But um, in some organizations, uh, they have applied centralized authority, and um, it's quite central in a DevOps culture or the DevOps mindset to have local authority decisions where the information is, um, and um, decentralizing this is hard. Uh, and I think for all all the changes that we want to drive, we get both like a, a primary objective that, that we want to achieve, but we also get secondary effects, um, uh, for example, lo- loss of control, uh, which probably, I mean, we know this is uh, um, Centralised control in release function is prob- probably not true control, but um, um, if that notion exists, how can we communicate uh, with this organisation, these individuals that have seen decentralized and and experienced uh, um, lack of quality, lack of control, and uh, applied centralized uh, decision making. Um, So um, can we learn anything from that, Um, the the previous journey and the the journey forward? Esh,
0: it's your turn
2: to go first. Well, that's a pretty
1: hard question
2: to think about. Well, um, yeah, definitely we might have some uh, centralized uh, benefits at the time we decided to be centralized, because it's uh, it was there existing, um, but now uh, to have uh, DevOps prosper, we think that agile should be there. Just as a, uh, we we think that agile is the enabler or the prerequisite for DevOps to prosper, so that the team can take independent decisions and uh, proceed forward with automation by having clarity with the management, and that way how it works. So different teams uh, right now have uh, different infrastructure requirements, different automation needs, which they discuss with the management and the management provides the strategic indication and what they need to achieve in their uh, future uh, and that way they collaborate in a better way in a decentralized fashion. But if we have the similar approaches in a centralized way, then we we just think of having one central business department and one central IT department. Businesses to IT, first of all, it will be a big silos in between coming information from one across the other. And the secondly, the information coming might not be applicable to all the IT departments, because different component and different projects in IT might work in a different way. So for you, it might be more cost saving and efficient to have a provisioning platform. For me, it might be more cost saving and efficient to have a CICD uh, pipelines rather than going for a provisioning. Um, So it's something that we in different projects need to take independent decisions. And that way we can decide and prosper in DevOps, I understand uh, your question is more towards how we can take the importance of the centralized team in the decentralized structure. So I'm still thinking on that, and I'll come back to you. <laughs> but but I try to uh, figure out my perspective towards your question, and yeah. Sure. Hey, Thank you. For that, I have some. Oh yes, and say go on. Yep. <laughs> oh yeah. Um. Yeah.
4: I have some input regarding that. I think, like one of the lessons, um, I think from from any centralized authority is um, the the risk of um, a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of processes, a lot of slow processes, a lot of approvals, a lot of stuff like that, back and forth. Um, basically, this this ordering mentality where you're handing something over. Um, uh, the, the responsibility to someone else, you are you are ordering it from someone. Um, I think, though, one good thing with having some type of centralized authority is at least um, with companies that, because uh, I know a lot of companies still do and they have for some years um, when they start specifically their cloud journey. I think it's really important to have some type of um centralized authority that could definitely support the different teams that want to take on this cloud journey. because I think one of the one of the risks with decentralization is then the responsibility of each individual team. and that could possibly be teams that have worked very traditionally in IT for a, for a lot of years, where they are supposed to take on the responsibility of the operations part, doing things in the cloud. And uh, they, there could be a miscommunication with expectations of responsibility. Um, and I think one good point there is security. I think a lot of development teams have have previously been focusing a lot on development, and then security updates, patches, backups, any kind of stuff like that. Infra and operations can take care of that. That's their responsibility. And then all of a sudden, you as a development team. Have to kind of get all of that as well if you want to become decentralized in terms of at least a DevOps culture. Um, then there's definitely a risk that you are missing out on 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 some of those experiences that have previously been had on the operation side. So uh, yeah centralized is really good, um, but not if it's really slow and bureaucratic, I think. But at the same time, there is a risk, of course, with um, giving the individual responsibility to the teams as well. And there's definitely a good balance there, I feel like.
0: Can I also continue next?
3: Yeah. So I think this this question is very interesting to think about. And I, I, I believe that the the organizations that have this centralized authority they come from a place where i think every everything wasn't in place to have it decentralized basically i think uh, decentralization is much harder to achieve because i think uh, if you want to achieve that you will have to have your architecture decentralized and your you have you have to have your organization set up in in a good way in value streams and and, and whatnot so so you have to have all of this in place uh, for it to work in a good way and uh, i think trying to convince someone going from uh, centralized to decentralized they will sort of probably assume that things are the same uh, but they, they have to realize that you need to change everything to make it work basically so yeah. but but with that said i think there are some things that could benefit from from some sort of centralization uh, like strategy it's good to have a shared strategy or shared sort of objectives over the organization so you're you're working in the in the same direction and it's also good to have some kind of standardization, at least on the lower infrastructure layers, because there's a lot of like cost savings and the things that can come with that. Uh, so, so it's always this finding this balance between the, the freedom and, and uh, control you're, you're looking for, uh, w- which is a, a great challenge, I would say.
2: Um, yeah, so uh, to add to that, I would say um, in decentralized team, uh, it, it might be a problem that we discussed, like uh, there might be a solution existing in the company, but we as a decentralized team might not know that other IT project has that. So we might reinvent the weed. So in uh, in that case, we need to increase collaboration, which could be achieved if we have a central IT team. But I also have a mitigation for that. So because we had uh, all the agile approaches r- right now and it fits and have some mitigation up- Uh, strategies to counter these, so therefore I was quite uh, struggling with the, the solutions and understanding what uh, are the benefits of centralized approaches so mitigation here is in most of the agile methodologies we have something called enabler teams which works horizontally with different uh, value streams and provides the technical support we might have uh, some uh, center of excellence which we can utilize and have the shared platforms like uh, maybe for um, cloud you have some aws set to, uh, industry-wide, uh, I mean, company-wide uh, set agenda and principles which Center of Excellence team would guide you if you are interested in onboarding. And if you are interesting, uh, interested in onboarding towards CICD the journey, then there might be certain set of tools which uh company has already purchased. So you can get in touch with them and take it from them and then start building it from a pre-existing uh, and uh, approved way which the company has already decided. So that's a mitigation towards what we um, don't have in decentralization, but we had in centralized approach. Yep.
1: Excellent stuff, guys.
0: David, have you got any last thoughts?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I must say I, I myself didn't have a really crisp understanding of what I was really asking here, uh, <laughs> but um, no, I, I, I got a lot of uh, nice things to think of I mean from all these questions it's been awesome
0: great so does anyone have any final thoughts any final questions before we wrap up
4: Um, Yeah, I mean, I kind of already mentioned it, but I would really like to emphasize that I do think that, especially in the beginning of some type of decentralization journey or individual team responsibility, I do think it's really important to be pragmatic and realistic that uh, people learn things in different ways, in different speeds, um, and you have to be realistic with having Um, some type of maybe center of excellence, not only when it comes to any type of infra or cloud stuff, but also DevOps stuff and and stuff like that. Like, uh, I, I have several different friends that work at different companies that have their cloud journeys and it's, it's, it's different at different places. Some people, because the, the, the balance is sometimes that if you, if you help people too much, then you're not gonna teach them how to fish for themselves. But at the same time, if you just expect them to start fishing from the beginning, then they might fail a lot of times. And sometimes that's fine. It's totally fine to fail. But a lot of times I feel like there could definitely be um, an efficiency increase in being okay with actually um, having some type of centralized authority that supports and teaches different different teams. about you know standards, different type of rules, different type of ways of working, some types of best practices. um I have some friends that work at companies where it's basically it's like, uh, like here is your cloud account. Here are some uh, some web resources, and uh, go ahead, just uh, read the manual and learn for yourself. And uh, I mean, sure, you can go ahead and do that, but depending on the size of your company, that's gonna have us. Um, a good or a bad outcome in in, in different ways um, so yeah, that's my final thoughts on it.
0: Great, thank you very much everyone so I think we'll leave that there this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast and I want to take this opportunity to thank David, Hitesh, Hannes and Jacinto for providing their insights into the topic and thank you everyone for listening, if you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts you can reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at Abby.Stokes at evolution-nordics.com. See you next time.